theme for the afternoon talk is the practice of SNM. <laughs> Still listen to mindfulness. Oh, boring. <laughs> that is only a way to uh, liberation is the theme. A um, couple of small things I'd like to uh, mention. Uh, yesterday evening, just in the doorway between the, the dining room and uh, the kitchen, just as I was get going to my room last night, there was one precious large green frog uh, sitting there. So I merged out of the uh, forest, somehow or other, uh, found its way upstairs and <coughs> is uh, sitting there. And it's actually a beautiful uh, green colour. And I gently, mindfully of course, walked by, went to my room. In the night I uh, woke up for a leak and came out of the room to go to the toilet. It is still sitting there in exactly the same <laughs> uh, position. It hadn't moved a centimetre. And the thought did arise that clearly uh, frogs, in terms of stillness of posture and sitting, are much more evolved <laughs> and developed than the uh, human species. So then the thought which followed on from uh, that is that I'll perhaps talk to uh, Jen uh, a little bit, and perhaps uh, next year, because I think we should give up on the human species, and perhaps uh, Jen could invite... You know, uh, I'll, I'll give a retreat for frogs. And, uh, <laughs> could come and sit. Uh, uh, anyway, <clears throat> and um, another th uh, uh, thought uh, that I had related, and after this observation of uh, the precious stillness uh, of the uh, the frog, it wasn't there in the morning time. Uh, our beloved cook, T. Cozy, said to me that it had gone to have a shower <laughs> and uh, needing some water, and it was, went to the shower. <laughs> have their own intelligence, these uh, uh, precious uh, uh, creatures. And in a kind of uh, appreciation and recognition of the uh, uh, stillness of the posture and the deep uh, reminder to uh, all of us. So then another thought uh, arose. So for donkey's years, actually it's just around 50 years now of uh, being engaged in the practice of mindfulness and meditation and all the instructions, since 1970, so we're at the tail end of 2019. So I thought, well, what practice could I uh, explore with this? So the, the thought arose... Ah, the hands, these two hands, which are under the shawl, owing to the uh, energy in the uh, privilege of sharing and offering the teachings, it's usually not long before the hands are out, you know, gesticulating, and, you know, and, you know, da -da -da -da, uh, with, with the hand. So I, I've made a vow, I can't promise to keep it, that um, uh, the hands... Uh, going to endeavour to stay like the frog still under there. So if the hands do pop out you, you, uh, there, you can either walk out in disgust, you can have the view, my God, he hasn't got very far in 50 years of mindfulness practice if he can't keep his hands uh, still uh, uh, there. And sometimes some people on uh, YouTube uh, might be uh, watching this. And just to say to the good people on YouTube, if you feel really disillusioned, then you'll probably find a decent teacher on YouTube who keeps her or his hand still. Go to them, them for more practice. All right. All right. Back to the back to the uh, the, the the theme. Uh, uh, of the talk. Uh, I'm not sure if I should mention this. Oh, why not? So, in reference to the SMM, whatever it, whatever it is, there are some rather eccentric people in the Dharma world there, and one doesn't realise it so much on retreats. 
It sometimes happens, in fact, uh, at the end of the retreat or if one's um, visiting uh, the home. And two examples in the end of the retreat. Uh, one person in uh, one retreat, uh, she asked me if uh, I could uh, put onto her, her stick from uh, the laptop the talks, which I recorded talks in inquiry. So I said to her, look, if you don't mind, um, I'll wait a little bit. Uh, she looks after all of this and she will uh, upload. She said, oh, I really want to hear as soon as possible. Rather wait. She said, okay, bring me the, the stick. I put the stick into uh, the laptop to copy and transfer over. <laughs> and on the stick, it was full of erotic... <laughs> tantric practices step one, step two with a nice visual picture uh, 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 on, on it so that's interesting <laughs> so, letting go of all temptations to have a quick look <laughs> uh, there. and a rather similar thing happened just a few months later a young handsome Swiss guy same thing with, oh, Christopher, could you if I give you my, my stick, you know, could you put it on and I'll put it on my hard drive? I said, sure. I put it in stick. I don't know how many gigs, 32, 64 gigs, you know, of pornography and pictures, <laughs> uh, etc. And I hand it to him. The thought did arise. It gives a whole new meaning to hard drive. <laughs> but, however, <laughs> very bad joke. Ula, delete that. All right. <laughs> And I was staying, before I go on and get this off my chest here, I, I, I was staying in one person's home, and sometimes people like, like Jen and like Rather in previous years kindly invited me to stay if I'm leaving or when I uh, arrive. And when I uh, arrived, she said, she had a lovely one bedroom flat, and she said to me, Oh, Christopher, I'd really like you to stay in my room. I've got the sofa, I sleep on the sofa. I said, No, no, use the sofa, I'll sleep. She said, No, no, she insisted, you, you sleep in my room there. So it's very kind, and, and I did. And on the bedside table uh, there, you know, with, with a, a book and a, a clock and everything, were a pair of handcuffs. <laughs> I'd never seen handcuffs on <laughs> bedside table. And what was unusual about it, they were pink. <laughs> You know, a very polite Englishman. I didn't say anything. I just went to the, the thought did arise. I could, perhaps I could try them on for size, <laughs> etc. But I thought it, if they got stuck and I couldn't unlock them, <laughs> you know, I might have some explanation to do at the passport control, <laughs> etc. And another, this is true, another situation, <laughs> staying with friends, a couple, and we had breakfast together, a very nice breakfast. And do you know what was on the centre of the breakfast table? <laughs> a vibrator. <laughs> a vibrator on the table. I've never seen a vibrator before in my life, and there was one on the centre of the table. <laughs> Honestly, with a, I could see the press button. <laughs> And it was thick and huge. I, I, I don't know if you've ever been to London and um, seen Nelson's column. You know, it, it, was, it was that. So again, I'm very polite. I didn't want to, uh, uh, to uh, say anything. But I thought, we touched upon this last night, and, you know, any man seeing this thick, strong, hard, tall vi vibrator at the end of eating our muesli and our, <laughs> and our all almond milk, we're going to have a terrible inferiority complex. <laughs> and these are dedicated, hardcore practitioners. I have new meaning to these things. Anyway, back to this. All right, enough. We, that might all have to be censored in due course. <laughs> oh dear, oh dear. Touch his life. So, with the exploration of uh, the way of uh, liberation, a path to uh, liberation, <coughs> there are uh, a number of aspects to this, 
And if I may, I'll take a little bit of the uh, two commonly held views. Both are valid, uh, are important, and perhaps a kind of third way to look at it altogether. So with the two uh, common views. We hear, we are told, uh, and it's a valuable metaphorical language, there is a path to waking up. There is a path to uh, uh, liberation. And that language of uh, path and goal genuinely, for some people, works uh, really well. It gives a sense of direction, moving forward, making uh, progress, and sometimes on the path, of course, we might feel stuck, we might feel it's two steps forward, one step back, or three steps back, but there's a sense of a, a path to be explored. That expressing itself in a variety of ways, <coughs> one of which includes uh, meditation and mindfulness and reflection as an aspect of the path, it is not the path, an aspect of it, and in that aspect of it, it's a contribution, but includes much more. You have to be mindful and, uh, and alert to this, in sometimes, and partly because of the asana, that means the posture uh, of the Buddha and the yogis, it has developed a kind of archetype, it has an iconic status, in which rather than just being a reminder and representational, it can easily um, infer the idea it is actually meditating and dedication to meditation which is the way of enlightenment, which is the path. The more meditation we do, the greater depth and the greater the uh, enlightenment. And this was the view of the yogis at the time, to withdraw from the everyday world, to engage in the asana of uh, the sitting posture as the primary uh, asana, and through that there could be the transcendence, uh, liberation through the process of medication, meditation uh, there. The Buddha refuted the opinion. He said it's too narrow, it's a formation, posture, it's a way of conceiving and broke away from that very classical traditional view of a profound deep experience, a mystical experience of consciousness in meditation is what one is working towards for liberation. He stepped out of that view, he opened up the whole exploration to a full engagement and exploration of life and therefore not a confinement to a form so no stone is to be left unturned uh, and that, that was a core message sometimes reflected in the language of the eightfold path right right view or right understanding right speech right here is a way of being which is fulfilling, nourishing and fulfillment. The word right is samar, means coming to <coughs> pardon me, coming together, coming together <laughs> with a hand <laughs> which is uh, uh, with a practice and hands on to everything so to speak, but with a practice which is fulfilling and nourishing. To bring life to a real sense that it's really fulfilling uh, there. And so then that then included action, it included uh, wise uh, creative energy or effort, mindfulness of course, uh, meditation, their speech and communication and their intentions, so uh, our lifestyle, all of that is an exploration for women and men of this earth to contribute to a really fulfilled way of being and there's something liberating about it. So it was a shift from the classical sit, sit, meditate until you have a deep experience. In the exploration there, sometimes it will seem and it does uh, seem that freedom or liberation um, is far uh, away. And therefore there can be a gap between where I am and where I wish to be. But again, Teachings are really precious with regard to this as well. 
and it points out and it reminds us that we have moments and perhaps plenty of, of moments in which a sense of freedom it might be s- small scale but significant a sense of freedom can emerge for us in moments and in times which do need to be recognised so that helps to reduce the gap between this <coughs> great liberation with the uh, extension of uh, the sense of it to something more immediate and practical to give the example here a person anyone any one of us may be going through a rather uh, difficult uh, period <clears throat> we really have to uh, work through uh, something and sometimes to, to to take a small sideways step for a moment uh, one of the uh, participants on uh, one of the uh, retreats she told me that she had been to uh, a previous retreat just uh, i think it was just one uh, before and in that uh, retreat she uh, the teacher a buddhist monk uh, offered teachings with regard to uh, chanting for some of us and people like me it's not been my interest and my two primary teachers Ajahn Dhammadro he only allowed 20 minutes or half an hour of um, uh, chanting uh, once a week to please the lay people because we're dependent upon them for the dharma there and uh, sometimes a comment was made well with all the chanting which is words of the Buddha it's a little bit like it's a little bit comparable to reading uh, 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 the instructions in a box of medicine over and over again and not applying them (laughs) the chant lovers should think about that for a moment or two however so I mention this quite, uh, quite uh, uh, often as well. But as we know, in the relationship to events, uh, there, that which we might have a view about, there is always, always that which shows the limits of the view. So in this particular case, chanting, as I mentioned, is not my cup of tea, uh, there. But then I um, had to sit up and take notice. So the good lady came on the retreat. She was genuinely in a very severe life crisis. The severe life crisis, I think she's about 39, 40 of that age, perhaps a bit older. And it was triggered firstly with her husband of quite a few years, so easily happens, falling in love with another uh, woman keeping it secret for quite some period of time so that sense of betrayal was there with it and uh, he left her and went into the arms of the other woman. That was then followed by a demand from him that he, which is his right, he has a right to 50% of the property. So that, and because she couldn't afford to maintain it, that would mean she would have to sell this house which she loved very, very dearly and lived in for years and that doubled uh, uh, the pain and the anguish. And then the third thing that then went on top of that was that she lost her job. She had so much distress, she just couldn't handle going to work and was having a a terrible breakdown. And it reached the point, she said to me, where she felt suicidal, that that everything that she trusted in and believed in had broken away from her. And what was the point of carrying on? It was that level of despair. And then she said, in the middle of the night, feeling absolutely desperate, terribly alone and vulnerable and isolated, she remembered the chant of the monk and the chants that they did just for a few minutes every day. Buddhang saranangachami, dhammang saranangachami, sangang saranangachami. He said she could barely remember what it even meant, but she just in the bed, in the night, sitting there, and she sat up and started chanting and chanting and chanting and just kept on chanting. 
And she said, just doing that, that chant again and again and again, suddenly she realized, <coughs> I can get through this. That, that, that rather than falling into the pit of despair and, and feeling desperate there, the, the chanting and the vibration of the chanting, she said, and she said, after an hour or two, she knew she could get through this, and at some point she'd be able to get on with her life. In other words, we never know the small things that we do in life and the, the benefit that might come. And when I heard, it, uh, heard that from her, I thought, wow, chanting has a quiet power to it. If it's helping somebody to get, get through such anxiety and, and losing the will to live, uh, it, it has a power and a resonance, uh, resonance to it. In the exploration <coughs> of the, the mindfulness and the meditations and uh, uh, the uh, exploration, with regard to the freedom there, to use it as an example, the good lady there and others which are not so intense, there can be, and probably have experienced this for some periods and moments during that there's been some difficulty, agitation, anxiety, or too much thinking, or whatever it might be uh, about there. And then it changes. And in that change, that, for the time being, oh, and that for, for <laughs> twice, right? That for the, for the time being, that it's no longer that issue, those thoughts, that anxiety, that pain, whatever, is no longer bothering one. And it's, in that time, it is a freedom. It's an important one. It's a freedom from. It was troubling me, it was agitating me, it was habitual. It's a freedom from. It is valuable to re re um, recollect and remember these small freedoms from because it is the same freedom it's related to the specific to the particular but, it's, but it is a freedom it can be that in the meditations that there uh, may be uh, a calmness and a joy which is present it begins to expand itself uh, in the meditations, in one or more of the, the postures. One's really appreciating this. Sometimes it touches happiness and kindness and friendship for life and much, much more. One is really appreciating this. And in that freedom of, uh, which reveals itself as a recognition <coughs> of an expansiveness, it is a freedom from co being contracted. It's a freedom from being contracted. And therefore, in the beneficial experiences, it's valuable to remember what it is freeing us up from, so that it's not so far away. The analogy which is used quite regularly in teaching practices, we may taste what should we, uh, the dewdrop, course at the moment as somebody uh, mentioned uh, here to here to me there's very uh, little in the way of dew drops in the in the morning time one person uh, said to me that she felt the dampness in, in the beginning of the day on the tent but also could feel the ash as well at the same time to mixing uh, together there are times when there is the, the taste of the water, <coughs> the dewdrop, the rain, the raindrop, the little uh, a, a glass of water, or whatever it might be. It's small, it's significant, but it has the the same taste as a large, clean uh, reservoir of water. It's the same taste. In, and therefore the taste of freedom in this case the freedom from 
That freedom is the same taste as an ultimate freedom. There are many levels, so we say, and uh, depths which can be e explored. And in this, the range and variety of the human experience can show itself in a variety of ways and those variety of ways that it uh, may show itself is in some expression inwardly in which what is noticeable inwardly is the feeling life uh, the presence to the feeling perhaps a picture or a story perhaps a, a view perhaps a calmness or quietness of the being so we're in touch with the bare uh, experience in in contact with that experience there we may treasure and value these experiences which may come spontaneously may sorry may come in our meditations which give nourishment to these receptive experiences can come in the night or in the nature with another making love and reading a poem and with the art some experiences touch us, touch us well and uh, deeply in the being and we're very receptive to the experience. What can easily happen uh, is, very understandably, that in the benefit of those sweet, precious experiences, mystical experiences, consciousness experiences, heart-opening experience, the wish, humanly enough, maybe the desire that means more ego and self invested wants to repeat I had this it was so important it was so precious it changed my life or it really gave me a sense of what the path and what the deep is and then the self which is the only thing that can do this then identifies with that experience so rather than just <coughs> appreciating the experience it wishes to repeat the history. So there is an impression, like self-image, which is an impression, there is an impression which is left. And it's a challenge for us in important experiences of life, painful or joyful, secular, religious, spiritual, consciousness, whatever the expression is, to be extraordinarily clear and mindful of the residue of the impression which is left when the experience is over. In other words, what do we do with this experience? In the best sense, we'll, re we'll remember it. In the best sense. And if the experience, <coughs> no rather, the memory of that important experience keeps arising which it can do so you had an experience both joyful or difficult there and you notice that in the days weeks and months following on it's still arising it's still remembering it it's still coming up uh, there it isn't a problem in itself that these old experiences last week, last month, last decade are uh, arising it could be this is to be clear about here it's not because oh I must have the desire to have it again or I must have the desire to have a different experience it could be that the inner life with the memory which is taking place to use the Buddha's words here, one has not squeezed out the honey out of the experience. Which, as the metaphor here, means there may be in that experience more insights, more understanding, more learning to take place out of that experience. And sometimes we want to move on too quickly from it, or we don't want to hold on to it, if you know uh, uh, whatever and we're wondering well, why is it repeating itself why is I, why does it keep coming back to me there it could be an indication inwardly that there is an opportunity here for some reflection one might ask herself 
what is not, has not been seen here what is the voice saying what understanding or learning or insights can come it will require from us the usual calm and clarity which is the great support for that and it could be that out of that experience something fresh understanding comes which we have not yet seen before and when something is well understood it then so to speak falls back as a rests back into the past it's integrated into the past and many many experiences which you and I have had from the past we hardly ever remember and we don't need to remember but as I mentioned some cases it keeps coming to us or there is just a sense there's still some honey here there's still something to be seen here let, let me, I don't want to forget it or deny it or avoid it anyway let me go with it see what might emerge that can provide some extra insight for me so that we are really using and employing the, the benefit of the past mindfulness of the past as much as we are about the present or the future in the exploration of the field of experiences as mentioned they're arising, they stay for a while and pass away and sometimes there is the uh, uh, recognition of uh, these experiences and one of the areas which one needs to be in, uh, in uh, the circles of exploration a bit mindful and conscious of and what I ha uh, have in mind is not at all unusual in the religious spiritual life Dharma life to make references to, shall we call it, the transcendent something beyond the ordinary and beyond uh, the everyday so I regard it as a valid form of language we have to tread very carefully with it I do think it would be unfortunate to um, regard all these processes that we are engaged in as some kind of self-improvement programme too much of that, it just ends up terribly narcissistic. It, it ends up more and more about me being a better person or a nicer person or a clearer person or whatever. And that can lead to uh, uh, neglect. So sometimes in teachings and with teachers of different traditions, religious, spiritual, consciousness, dharma and so forth uh, there, a view, that's what I've got in mind here, a view can come out. So what that means is a person may have, in that environment, let's call it a retreat, let's call it a course, let's call it a satsang, that means a meeting with a teacher or with a guru, um, genuinely important experience, not, uh, not to underestimate the importance of it uh, there. Sometimes, because I hear it uh, um, regularly and often enough, the teacher, some teachers, will say, that's it, you've got it. That may show itself in the very religious language, which is fine to use. Yes, you have found God. God is with you. God is giving uh, 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 support and therefore the experience in the religious language in this case is then reconfirmed by the preacher or the speaker uh, there and the outcome of that person may really feel and sense you know I have found God I found something beyond my small narrow confined world and the language which is comfortable for that person is G-O for some people and indeed people are quite comfortable with that uh, kind of language and of course out of all of that 
using the religious language for a moment, a person may really feel reborn. They've come out of the old kind of birth and now they're reborn into being with God, into the community of those uh, who uh, do believe. And it's touching and the references, the inspirations, the transformations which we hear uh, of how it's changed people's uh, life, you know, persons had health problems, persons had addiction problems, a person's been unhappy, and then, as it sometimes said, God came into my life and saved me. Mm -hmm. yeah. My concern would always be not in the validity of the experience there, but it doesn't necessarily mean that having found God, it actually <coughs> touches every area of one's life. It still can be that one supports the nation-state to go to war. It still can be a belief in executions. It still can be God has given us uh, everything and, theref and therefore uh, uh, we can live as some of the Christians will say, a life of abundance there, not understanding what the cost is to billions of others who do not have that kind of privilege. Mm -hmm. And in some cases, some of the missionaries are saying, this is why the West is so rich and you are so poor, because the West believed in God and in his son, Jesus Christ, and you didn't, and that's why the West has abundance and you don't. <coughs> And that message does go out, because I've heard it. So sometimes the view there, it may be the finding of God. He or she may have come out of a very difficult period in her or his life. It doesn't mean to say it's generated the kind of wisdom and insight which you and I would feel important about the relationship to the earth, to the ecosystem, um, and and to each other. Similarly, yeah, and then there are others who, out of their experiences, in this case in finding uh, God, it really is beautiful to change and transformation. There is no holding to the old nationalism, the old self-righteous view, and uh, many many other views, and to. Just to give a small example of uh, what I mean, in uh, Budgaya, it's the place of the Buddha's awakening 2,600 years ago, he used to give classes with the Hindi teacher to uh, uh, the youngsters, the poorest of the poor. Out of that started a small school room in the monastery, and then the two bamboo huts, two classes, and now a large school, largest in the village, with more than 600 children in it. I said he didn't want a Buddhist school, it would feel too narrow, too boxed in for me. Um, but if we're going to have a school there, it's got to be inter-religious, and therefore no one religion has uh, the primacy. And it also has got to address a lot, lot more than just academic study. And therefore music and the arts and poetry and theatre and yoga and mindfulness and meditation has to be included in the, in the days. And this is uh, what we do and many people and lovely support from various friends uh, here in Australia and elsewhere and it enables the school to keep going. The head teacher is a Catholic nun, Sister Shoah. And... When we are transferring, just as a small example, money for the school, and in India it's a little bit risky, especially in Bihar, transferring <coughs> any money, there is always the danger that it goes down the black hole. So one sends $5,000, it costs around, cost around $100 per child per year, for a full year's education. Because every single cent goes to that school, there's no in-between uh, there. So we have the, 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 the school, and the money can go out from the bank in the West, 
and the bank in India says we haven't received it not easy to prove etc and we've, there's been a few <coughs> biting of the fingernails because just recently we went nearly three months before we could pay the teachers wages three months and, and it's remarkable how loving and kind and, and patient the teachers were even though they couldn't receive any salary and then oh yes we have the money it's in the account and at one point we asked Sister Shoba our head teacher um, look there's always these difficulties could we transfer it to your account she said I'm a Catholic nun I don't have a bank account <laughs> I don't have anything just a few books and some change of clothes and she said the salary which we, we knew already we do not give to her the salary uh, goes through to the main convent in Varanasi and then they just distribute a little living money and she lives in a tiny little room just outside the village with two or three nuns and day in, day out, year in, year out she's doing this service <coughs> as an act of love no mention of Christianity no mention of talking of Jesus or, or whatever except in, the, except in the concept of the other great faiths uh, and it's the act of love which is uh, the, the act of uh, uh, service and it's precious and wonderful yeah. how to me I would rather I mean I may not believe in the beloved sister's God not my cup of tea there but I do know for, my, for myself there I would much rather be in touch and know and enjoy the presence of someone whose faith is so strong who has a sense of their salvation as a hu human being mm -hmm. and gives so selflessly day in and day out there to someone who in comparison is scientific, rationalistic can't listen to anybody else this is the reality of things everybody else is deluded except for us whoa, whoa, whoa. give me sister Shoba anytime <laughs> give, give, let the love do, do the talking uh, there and the acts of service which can and, and do uh, emerge out of it <coughs> so that expiration the freeing up of the human being in different ways touches upon uh, great strength with us and just to go back to the thread for a moment I look at experiences we come out of an experience it might have been a bit of a dark night there we come out of it it is a freedom from we can have experiences which not so much <coughs> coming, out of the, coming out of the dark but more there is a, some sense of contraction some sense of confinement or limitation in the structure that structure drops away fades away uh, for us and there is some opening and expansion aha, this is another freedom from with the experiences as well as important that they are it's not the task nor the priority to have the regularity and the consistency of really important experiences they genuinely are valuable they genuinely are a great support there is a recognition in these experiences of the expanse wow what consciousness can experience whole range and variety of them it's extraordinary what we can experience but the teachings are not to land upon and achieve one special experience one major mind-blowing ultimate enlightenment there. again it's often been said over the many centuries of women and men exploring experiences it's not the experience the ex because the experience though important is subject to arising 
It is subject to staying for a period and it is subject to passing. In the arising and staying and passing of the field of human experiences, plenty of insights can come. Some, when those experiences are rather deep and important for us, it's a freedom from the other experiences. And we can recognize that. But what is more important than the experience, than the feeling, than the presentation in consciousness, is what is it showing? What is the insight? What is the revelation? What is that which is profound and deep? So the experience itself, beautiful and wonderful and we feel blessed with uh, certain experiences, it, as mentioned, will fade away, but something in the deep can come through the experience, it kind of informs, it reveals something which has a staying power to it. It's genuinely beneficial, whether it's felt or not, doesn't matter, in the course of life. And our interest is to be receptive to what is deep and see, to use the metaphorical language, what the voice of the deep is informing us. If you like religious language what God is telling us, what is being revealed to us. And when something precious and beautiful and significant is revealed to us, we know it, not because of the strength of the event there, but by its outcome. We know ourselves by the response to the deep. And it's keeping that and certainly in listening to plenty of you, all of you over the days and hearing really precious and important accounts of your experiences uh, with life and in those some of those experiences you remember and you know in a real sense of being kind of life changing there was a direction or a way or a pattern or whatever it, it might be and then there was a shift and that shift brought, brought about a new direction a fresh opening and, uh, and one as it were listened to the voice that change was necessary or change has come <coughs> coming about and you've trusted in that, that voice, that sense even though others May, uh, may think you're lost or confused or, or you're quite sure about this etc but one has trusted in it and one has a sense in the passage of time wow this really freed me up this really opened up my life and these movements of the opening up of the life and the freeing up of the life these teachings are about that this is what the liberation teachings are about that it's not a withdrawal, it's not detaching ourselves from, but a, an authentic in deep exploration which really expands and opens up the life. And there's no end to that potential. It would be a pity if we think, oh, oh I understand, I've got it. The it which one has got will be a block. The it will end up as a contraction. And sometimes in our circles there are those who imagine, think or believe, I got it. The person will say, oh yes, I'm not the body. Yes, I'm not the mind. I'm not the emotions. I am consciousness. I have found my true self, uh, etc. Maybe deep and important but it would be a pity, I would say, to kind of rest there in the I got it mode of thinking uh, there. Because the identification uh, with that may block the opportunity for tremendous discoveries which are not being perceived. 
by any of us that, at that time. So when we talk about expanse and exploration, let's not get it. <coughs> let's not think, I got it. Let's not restrict ourselves to a word or a phrase or a, a view. Life is immensely expansive, immensely open, extraordinary to participate in. Let's not have any confinement. Let's have our quiet. Shall we? May we not set limits to our potential. May we recognize our capacity for endless exploration. May we live with love and liberation. Thank you for uh, listening and this time some walking time or standing and then or sitting and then some food at 5.30 also some uh, one-to-ones. So I think about four or five times the hand were, hands were flopping <laughs> around in the air so uh, a bit more practice. <laughs> Okay, thank you.